0: So we've been doing a series called God Is, based off of a quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I was thinking about God this past week. I hope you have the opportunity to do the same thing. But thinking about moments when God just showed up in my life. I remember when God showed up behind Linden Lane's Elementary School and called uh, an eight-year-old kid to himself in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as much as an eight-year-old can figure it out. I remember when God showed up in a 1978 Honda Civic and called a rebellious punk back to himself. I remember standing on a dusty driveway in Camp Cedarwood, northern Manitoba, when God reached into my life and said, now I'm going to call you out for ministry and you're going to work with high school and middle school kids. I remember 25 years ago this, pa- or this coming Tuesday when I stood at an altar in front of a pastor named Ken and promised my heart and my love to a wonderful lady and she promised back. I remember how God showed up when he called me to be a husband. I remember two different occasions when God in a hospital delivery room called me to be a dad and handed me a small bundle of humanity which was a truly scary thought, Okay. If we sat down and had coffee today, I know for a fact you would be able to point to specific moments, regardless of how you responded, when God just showed up. This past week, I was trying to break a raging case of sermon block because we had two days of retreat on Thursday, uh, Wednesday and Thursday as a staff, and I was trying to like hurry God up and like, give me the message in a hurry. I needed it by Tuesday at 10 a.m. Basically, that's how it was working. And when I get sermon block, I go for a walk. So I took a walk, and I went over to the bus station over here, which is an amazing place to watch people. And you should go there sometime and be careful. Okay, so anyway, I'm, I'm there, and I'm sitting on a bench, and a guy comes to sit down beside me who is obviously very, very happy with the legalization of marijuana in Whatcom County because he smiled at me in slow motion. You know? It's like, Doesn't affect your brain at all, though, right? Okay, so and he's sitting there, and I just said hi, and he goes, shh. I'm like, what? He goes, he's here. I'm like, who's here? He goes, God's here. I said, God's always here. <laughs> and he went. And then laid down and took a nap, which is a really good thing. So, I don't want to freak you out, but can I tell you something true? God is here. That's what we're talking about. This is Pentecost Sunday, okay? For those of you who don't understand the context of Pentecost, let me explain it to you. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, ten days after Jesus left the earth and went to heaven, God showed up in a brand new way. Jesus had promised that when he left, he would send another He would send the Holy Spirit of God to come and be with us always. He was announcing the Holy Spirit is is coming. God is spirit. Spirit is God. All God, all spirit, the comforter, the convictor of sin, the encourager, and the spiritual gift giver. He was coming. And if you open your Bible to Acts chapter 2, you see the actual historical account of the first moments when the Holy Spirit showed up. And not only did he show up then, here's the good news again. God is still here in the form of the Holy Spirit. So I'm reading Acts 2 this week, and in the next 28 minutes or so, we are going to fly through Acts chapter 2 from beginning to end with this one single thought. What happens when God shows up? What specifically happens when God shows up? Okay, are you ready? This is going to be like trying to take a sip out of a fire hydrant, okay? Stick with me, here we go. When the Holy Spirit shows up, there's unity. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And they were all together in one place. The Bible says that the disciples were in a specific location when God said to them and gave them the great commission. To go ye therefore, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them a promise. And I'll, lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So he gives them these marching orders, and then they leave from where they were and they head towards Jerusalem. Okay, let me show you some footage from our recent trip to Israel. This is the top of the Mount of Olives, okay? It's called the Mount of Olives because there's olive trees up there, okay? Not rocket science, it just is. Some of these trees have been there for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years. And as you walk through them, you get this picture of Jesus and his disciples just being there. This is where Jesus prayed. And then they make their way to Jerusalem. It's about three quarters of a mile, not even very far, okay? And they come to this. This is actually a model of Jerusalem that we saw. And you can see the stacks of houses. And the guys are coming to an upper room in Jerusalem because they're coming into the the city of Jerusalem to eventually come to the Holy of Holies. They're coming to the temple. Because Pentecost happened during a famous feast that they were observing called the Feast of Weeks, okay? So we find them in an upper room. And they're gathering there together. Unity of purpose and God's instruction has sent them there. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Hopefully it's to worship God and hear from God. So we have unity of purpose and God's instruction. That's what's unified us here today as a body. Let's keep going. When God shows up, when the Holy Spirit shows up, the extraordinary happens. Acts 2.24. So they're in the upper room. A sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages. So get this picture. They're in a room together and there's a sound like a rushing wind inside the house. That's supernatural, okay? And then what appears to be Flames, licks of fire come and separate onto each one of the people inside of the room. Okay, let's admit something. In our modern context, we don't like it when God does stuff out of our comfort zone. Kind of freaks us out a little bit, doesn't it? When God kicks the side out of the box and he just does something that's a little bit different, it can be a little disconcerting. Well, God's Holy Spirit invades this moment. And while it's scary, isn't that what every believer dreams of? That moment when you see God just show up and do something absolutely extraordinary. So these guys, these regular ordinary guys, suddenly have the ability to be able to speak in other languages. Okay, We're not going to get into the tongues debate. We're not going to go glossolalia versus the intentional speaking of other languages. We're not going to get into that kind of stuff. I just want you to understand this. When you read that verse about them being able to speak in other languages, don't put the emphasis in the wrong place. Some people get so hung up on the first part of the miracle, they forget the second part of the miracle. So when God shows up, extraordinary things happen. But secondly, when God shows up, there's understanding. The lights come on. Acts 2 verse 6, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard them speaking in his own language. Okay, God is not a God of confusion. He wants people to understand. So the miracle here is that God not only allows them to speak in other languages, but He actually allows people to be able to understand it. God is present in that moment. Okay, I want to just say this to reinforce it. I'm not demeaning the beauty of the gift of tongues. We believe all the gifts are in operation today. We believe they need to be used perfectly the way God wanted them to, and we want to make sure that we never substitute the gift for the gift giver. Amen? We want to make sure that we keep that in focus. I get this question all the time. Pastor Grant, do you speak in tongues? You know what my answer is? Why do you want to know? Is it so you can check a box in the affirmative? For some people, it's like, no, I need to check the box in the negative because that just would freak me out, right? The truth is this. Sometimes we take a beautiful moment of God and we turn it into a religious checkbox. To me, that diminishes the gift and takes the focus off of the gift giver. Now, some of you are still stuck because you're wondering, does he? Doesn't he? You come and ask me, and my question to you will be, why do you need to know? And then we'll have a conversation. It'll be great. Okay, let's keep going, all right? When God shows up, the ordinary becomes extraordinary, I love this. Listen to the question of the crowd. Acts 2 verse 7. Are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? Okay? The modern context. They're just like, aren't these just regular Fisher kind of guys? Isn't that guy a tax collector? How in the world did they suddenly discover this literary gift? I mean, there's no PhDs. There's no certifications here. They're just ordinary guys involved in an extraordinary mission. Why was it extraordinary? It was extraordinary because God was there. Remember the Old Testament story of Moses? Shows up in front of a burning bush that doesn't actually burn, right? That's somewhat out of the box. And a voice speaks from the bush and says, Excuse me, little man, take your shoes off. Where you're standing is holy ground. Can we understand this? The ground was not holy because Moses was there, the ground was holy because God was there. Anytime we sense holiness in this place, can we make sure we understand this? It's not because we're here. It's holy because God is here. An ordinary group of people experience an extraordinary event. Let's keep going. When God shows up, when the Holy Spirit of God shows up, barriers are destroyed. I mean, I want, to listen, I want you to listen to this list, Okay. This group of people were bound together by their Jewishness, but the truth is they didn't like each other. That's why to this day, if you go into the old city of Jerusalem, there's a Christian quarter, an Armenian quarter, a Muslim quarter, a Jewish quarter. They don't really like each other. But there's a list here. The Bible lists them off. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Egypt, and and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. Here's the point. All kinds of people, all kinds of races, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, all drawn together because when God shows up, All of the natural dividers disappear, and we find ourselves with this one thing in common. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, equal in need of a Savior. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what passport you hold, everything brings us to that level playing field when we need a Savior. The presence of God tears down barriers. Religiosity builds up barriers. It asks this question. Religious people ask this question. Why are they here? The presence of God says none of that matters because he is here. Let's keep going. When God shows up, there's skepticism. Okay, get the picture, okay? These ordinary guys are speaking in other languages, and it's normal human predictable behavior to try and come up with an explanation, right? I can imagine there's somebody over here going, there's got to be a ventriloquist around here somewhere. Somebody over here going, these guys work for Rosetta Stone, right? It's an infomercial. That's what this is. Still yet, I'm sure there was other people going, this has got to be demonic. Why is it we give the devil so much credit when God's doing something amazing? I mean, but here comes, here comes the human explanation, Acts 2.13. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. I love that. They're ripped, right? They got totally wasted. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, so apparently last night was a really good night for the disciples and the apostles. You know... When you hear that, I've got a quick question for you. When was the last time you saw somebody who was drunk actually get smarter? (laughs) Just asking, right? All of a sudden, boom, IQ of 180. Where'd that come from, you know? Wow. When God shows up, there's always skepticism. It's the way humans work. Let's keep going. When God shows up, prophecy makes sense. Peter begins to quote an Old Testament prophet. 800 years before Jesus, a prophet named Joel shows up. And this was the prophecy. God would pour out his spirit. And sons and daughters would prophesy. And young men would see visions. And old men would dream dreams. And both women and men would speak truth. And everyone who would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. These are good Jewish people. They would have been sitting there going, this seems familiar to me. What's going on? When God shows up, prophecy makes sense. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, wow, okay, that's real. That's real. It's being fulfilled right in front of them. They can't deny it. And now they've got to make a decision. Where are we going to put the focus? Here it comes. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, Jesus is the bold focus. Okay, listen to Peter preach in Acts chapter 2. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Here's what Peter's big idea is in his message, All Eyes on Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit's message is, is still to this day. All eyes on Jesus. Jesus will glorify the Father, but everybody eyes on Jesus. You know, and it's amazing, because that is a powerful message wrapped in an interesting package. Okay? Here's what Peter basically says. You're all murderers. Happy Sunday, right? You know? You're all murderers, and on top of that, you murdered the Son of God. Wow. I mean, that's not an easy way to win friends and influence people, is it? You know, here's what's scary. We're all murderers. Our sin murdered the Son of God. And that would be tragic if Acts chapter 2 stopped at verse 23. But it doesn't stop at verse 23. Verse 24. But God raised Him from the dead. Isn't that good? All of a sudden, it's just like, that's true, but God raised him from the dead. Let's keep going. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, history bears witness to the truth. Peter's a smart guy. He points to the line of King David, which is really smart when you've got an audience, a Jewish audience. And he boldly states this in verse 25. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, he actually calls the murderers twice, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter names the Messiah. He says all of these prophecies that you've been watching for and looking into in your Old Testament, all of them have been fulfilled in this man, Jesus. All of history, all of prophecy confirms that Jesus is Messiah. On our recent trip to Israel, we got to go to Qumran. Okay, Qumran is where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we're actually standing on a hill. I'll show you a picture here. That's the actual cave. Bedouin sheep herder, little kid, throwing rocks into caves. That's what little boys do. Here's the sound of pottery smashing. Thinks, that's weird. Crawls into that cave and finds pot after pot after pot. One of them's broken. He looks inside, there's a piece of leather. He's a little capitalist, so he thinks, I'm going to sell the leather to somebody takes it into Bethlehem, gives it to a man who owns a store. The man looks at it and goes, that's a nice piece of leather, flips it over, and there's Hebrew on the other side. Hebrew's exactly the same today as it was thousands of years ago, identical. And he begins to read, and he all of a sudden realizes something. I'm reading the book of Isaiah. They end up excavating this entire area. You know what's amazing about Isaiah? In the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was the one book that was almost 99.9% intact. And it contains more messianic prophecies about Jesus than any other book in the Old Testament. And God put his hands over top of that one and said, I'm going to need to confirm that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. While we were there, I got to meet a scientist who was working in the area, and then he sent me his latest article. So he's a scientist. And he was measuring the mathematical probability of those scrolls actually surviving. He wrote this. He said, the mathematical probability that the humidity, the temperature, the thickness of the clay pot, and the thickness of the the scroll would all line up to the point of this miraculous protection is akin to God placing his divine hand or protection over these sacred words. All of history says, Jesus Let's keep going. When God shows up, there's conviction, not condemnation. Conviction is when the truth of God cuts through all your excuses and all your failures. And then you have an opportunity to act. Acts 2.37 says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That's a good question. What should we do when God shows up? Should we worship? Absolutely. Should we humble ourselves? Absolutely. Should we cower in the corner because of our sin? Sometimes. Sometimes. In confession. In contrition. Should we seek to touch his face? Absolutely. When God shows up, there's conviction that something needs to happen which flows into the next point. When God shows up, there's a call towards transformation. Because here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized. Each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, it's in such simple little pieces. Repent. God, I was wrong. Be baptized. God, I'll obey. For the forgiveness of sin. God, would you forgive me? And you will receive. God, I'm open. Fill me up. It's a call to transformation. And the Holy Spirit of God shows up. Here it comes. People learn and gather and eat and pray and see miracles. Most of the time when we preach Acts chapter 2, we ignore the first 41 verses. We start reading in verse 42. It doesn't invalidate the power of verse 42 through the end of the chapter. But boy, aren't you glad you got to hear the first part of the story, right? Verse 42 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship breaking of bread to prayer and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostle when the holy spirit of god shows up this is what believers are supposed to do they're supposed to learn supposed to open our minds and say god what it is that you are supposed to be saying to me today they're supposed to gather We do it every six days as a church. We gather together to put Jesus on the focus. My prayer is that an ever-increasing number of you will actually gather outside of this gathering in a small group. Here's what was amazing to me, came out of the spiritual assessment. People said, we think as a church, you guys do a great job of telling us that we need to be in biblical community. And I went, yes, that's awesome. Here was the second part. You also said, but we actually just don't really want to do it. So thanks for making the opportunity, but I'm busy. My life is busy. Can I tell you something about being in biblical community? It's not about getting all of the time. It's often about giving. And you will never know that you need it until you're in crisis. And when you are in crisis... You will call the desk and say, I need a pastor, and there are this many of us, and this many of you, and if you don't have a smaller spiritual family outside of this room, I promise you, you will be disappointed. What's the answer to that disappointment? Gather. Some of you are like, Grant, are you in a small group? You bet I am. Three. (laughs) I need a lot of help, right? (laughs) Let's keep going. Gather. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit of God shows up, Christians eat. Amen, right? That's good. Let's have a meal. It says they pray together. What do you need prayer for? What do I need prayer for? And it also says, don't ignore this. Then they have opportunity to watch miracles of transformation and healing and answer prayer and growth happening all around you. Let's keep going. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, physical and spiritual needs are met. Acts 2.44. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. So when God shows up, needs get met. When God shows up, people get fed. There's a box in the commons that says food bank over top of it. It's not there for decoration. It's there to create a miracle in somebody else's life every Tuesday between 1 and 3. When hundreds of people line up at the food bank of Christ the King and we say, this is from Jesus. No strings attached. Be blessed. Let's keep going. How does that happen? How do people actually get fed? When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, people sacrifice. Acts 2.45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The sacrifice of Jesus inspires us to sacrifice. Can I ask you a question, church? When was the last time you just gave something away? And not just something you didn't need. You just, you knew somebody else had a need, so you just boxed up whatever it was and marched it across and went, Hi, this is from God. Have a nice day. You should try that sometime. You'd get amazing responses from people. All right? People sacrifice. Let's keep going. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, people connect. Acts 2.46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Do you see that? Large group, small group. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. When God shows up, people connect together. Let's keep going. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, the city notices. I love this verse. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The favor of who? Everybody. Jerusalem is looking at this group of people going, what is up with them? Look how they're looking after each other. Look how they pray for each other. Look what God is doing in their midst. I mean, I got a question. How cool would it be if Bellingham and Whatcom County one day just all of a sudden started going, what in the world is up with the Jesus freaks on the guide Meridian?" And loving each other. God's answering prayer. I mean, what is happening behind the porn shop? I mean, that is crazy, right? What is going on on that corner of real estate right there? When God shows up and the Holy Spirit of God begins to push into people and then we start actually bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, guess what happens? The rest of the world goes, what in the world is going on with those people? Who infected them? Why are they kind? Why do they give sacrificially? Why are they paying for somebody else's dinner? Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God showed up. Last one. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, the movement grows. Acts 2.47, last half. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that the dream? It's my dream. That more and more people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Not just on Easter weekend. All year long. Not just in this room. In your living room. With your friends and your co-workers. In your lunchroom. That's the dream. Okay. So we're famous around here for this little deal, right? We just read and blew through an entire chapter of Scripture. Let's ask the big two-word question. So what? What? So, that was a cool deal. Awesome. Great. This is where it gets personal. So, holding everything that we have talked about already in your mind. This is when the Holy Spirit of God shows up. This is what happens. Let me ask you a question. Is there tangible evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God at Christ the King Community Church? Don't be too quick to say yes. Yes. Don't be too quick to say no, because I will remind you the church is made up of people. So a better question is, in light of everything we have learned from Scripture today, is there tangible evidence that would convict you being guilty of the crime of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Don't be too quick to say yes. Don't be too quick to say no. These are the questions I asked myself this week. Eavesdrop on my own pain, okay? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Have you fully grasped the truth that being filled with the Spirit means to have your life absolutely and dramatically transformed by an acute consciousness of the glorious person of God that permanently lives within the walls of your life? To the point where you are so convicted that He lives in you that to do anything that would press against His character is just absolutely unthinkable to you. Is there a growing number of people coming to Jesus because of your life and your influence? Does your life cause other people to notice Jesus, or does it just reinforce the hypocrisy that people see in Christians around the globe? Are you a connector between God and people? Here's a convicting, convicting deal. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, where's the fruit? Where is it? If it's not there, that should be convicting. Do you sacrifice? Have you, have you actually met a need to the point where it actually hurt? Where it was like, I have no idea why I'm doing that, that's gonna sting. But you found joy in doing it anyway? Have you met a physical or a spiritual need for somebody who may or may not know Christ? Do you regularly learn and gather and eat and pray? Have you seen a miracle of God? Have you responded to God's call of transformation? Have you you repented of your sin? Have you been baptized? Does your personal story name Jesus as Messiah, or does it name something else as God? Have you encountered skepticism in the last week? If not, are you really living on the, the ragged edge of faith that you claim to live on? Because if you're not regularly encountering opposition, I'm not sure you're pressing in the right direction. People ask me, Grant, you preached on sex last weekend. Did you take it in the teeth? Yes, to the praise of His glorious grace. Because sometimes truth just stings, it stings in my heart. Have you embraced the truth that God uses the ordinary to change the world? Are you still living in the lie that you're just an ordinary, predictable, insignificant human being? God uses ordinary Galileans in Acts chapter 2. Guess what? He loves to use ordinary Whatcom County people too. Do you understand that God's given you spiritual gifts to use for his glory? Do you understand that the gift is not nearly as important as the gift giver? Do you know the God of Pentecost is still sending fire to his children? Are you a unifier or are you a divider? Do you know that the same God who pulled off Acts chapter 2 is still pulling off what he's doing in 2014? Do you understand that the same God who was there is here? He's here. He's here. May the Holy Spirit of God fill us with an ever-increasing passion to do everything He has called us to do. So let's have a moment, okay? Let's mess with the order of service that we planned. Band, if you're there, can you come back and join me? That would be awesome, okay? Didn't plan on doing it last night. Wasn't sure what we were going to do at 8.30, 10 o'clock. Here we go. What if we had a moment when instead of just talking about it, we actually did it? What if we invited God to make this Pentecost weekend our Pentecost? And say, God, whatever you want to do, I don't care. Fill me. Empower me. Break me down. Build me back up. God, I just want to do whatever it is that you want me to do, but I can't do it if I'm not full. This has been convicting me every day this week. Grant, you can't give what you don't have. You can't. I'll tell you what, there's days when the pot's just empty. The pot of my soul, it's empty. And I need God to fill me. So here's what we're going to do. Would you join me in standing right now? And would you join me in praying that God would fill us? And then we're going to sing together. And can I just encourage you? I know some of you are just like, this is where it gets weird for me, Grant. If you always do what you've always done. You will always have what you've always had. Today, when you pray, let it be an expression of your own soul. And then as we worship, reach for Him. Make yourself wholly available. Let your body express what's happening inside of your heart. wind begins to blow, don't freak out. We're not playing with the AC. And if it doesn't, say, God, let it blow in my soul. Allow the sail of my soul to capture the wind of your spirit. Because I'm so sick of the little tiny box that I've created for God. He doesn't fit in a box. He is God. And God is here you pray with me right now? Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we welcome you. I ask on behalf of our church family, God, would you fill us up? Fill us to overflowing so the fruit of the Spirit just spills off of us love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. God, may the fruit of the Spirit bubble out of our soul and out of our mouth. God, would you transform our city, transform our county by filling us. God, we're saying, may Pentecost happen again. Lord, that's our simple prayer. Do it again, God. Please do it again. Use ordinary, broken human beings Give us supernatural utterance. God, give us an opportunity to speak light into the darkness. God, fill us, empower us, help us, overwhelm us, crush us, build us back again. God, we pray that there would be nothing, nothing that would separate us from you. Holy Spirit, would you come in this moment as we worship you?